opportunity to be able to worship online these hours is a blessing. Uh, we have a lot of things to do. I know that uh, after these uh, challenges that we all face, that the Lord will see all through and uh, uh, it will give all the opportunity to be able to be calling our friends and family to, uh, to worship with us. Let's go to the book of uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verses 2 to 7. I read, and all these blessings that come upon you and they overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and increase of your hips, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your knees both. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your faith. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. May this be our portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Sabbath Church. Happy Sabbath. My Bible reading will be taken from 2 Corinthians 5 verses 17 through 21. And it reads, anyone belong to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. God has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. And he has given us the work of making peace between himself and others. 
What we mean is that God was Christ, offering peace and forgiveness to the people of this world, and he has given us the work of sharing his message about peace. We are here we were here to speak for Christ and God is begging you to listen to our message. We speak for Christ and sincerely ask you to make peace with God. Christ never sinned, but God treated him as a sinner so that Christ could make us acceptable to God. May God bless this reading in Jesus' name. Amen. Precious Heavenly Father, wonderful Redeemer the creator of both heaven and earth. Lord God Almighty, our waymaker, the tribe lion of Judah, the incomparable Father. Lord, we appreciate you. The God I use the foolishness of this world to shame the wise. The God I use the stone with the builder has rejected, rejected and turned to become chief for us. The God I use the weakness of this world to shame the strong. Father, we thank you. Lord God Almighty, we are so grateful to be called your sons and your daughters. We are so grateful for how you, the Lord, have chosen us, even though we don't qualify to be chosen. And Lord, thank you for our sins, which you, the Lord, have already dismissed. Blessed be to the faithful Father. Eternal God in heaven, Jehovah needs a wonderful Father. We appreciate you, even for being alive, to gather tonight, to gather this moment in your presence. Father, may you, the Lord, accept our praise. May you, the Lord, accept our worship. In the name of Jesus. Father, your children have appreciated you for the wonderful things, numerous things which you, the Lord, have done. And they have also presented before the author of grace requests which, which they are looking up to you for answer. Please, eternal God, answer everyone at this point in time and meet us all at the point of our need in the name of Jesus. Thank you, faithful Father, for the safe journey that you granted unto this family that your son Edamorak has appreciated you for. Lord, you are in control and you will continue to be in control. Blessed be your name and faithful power. Lord, we want to also appreciate you for how you brought back this lady, this daughter of yours, who went away for one year and seven months. But if it wasn't your intervention, probably something else would have happened to this lady. Well, thank you for the grace you granted unto her. Thank you, wonderful Father, again. Thank you, Jehovah, even um, for the Akin Bolani one. Lord, you knew before the foundation of the world that a time will come when this will happen. And Lord, we are asking you this moment, Father Lord. May you, Jehovah, touch your son. Yes. Lord God Almighty. This has not happened so that your son will die. But it has happened so that you will be glorified. We are being reminded at this point in time of what Jesus said. When his disciples asked him, Who sinned? Is it this man or his parents? For he responded by saying, Nobody sinned. 
for this child has been born, so that God's and God's only will be glorified. Father, we thank you because we have believed right now that you, the Lord, have taken to that control of the situation of your son. You have restored him completely. Lord, we are appreciating you right now because you have already made it clear to all that when we pray, if we believe that all that we have presented before thee, we shall receive them all. Thank you for your healing upon your son. And Lord, we want to also appreciate you ahead of time because we have also believed that the revival that you will cause to, 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 to surface in the life of your son, the healing, we make many that we see your son in that hospital to come to believe in you more. Faithful Father, thank you again. Lord, we are lifting up your daughter, Mrs. Kumi, to the altar of grace as well. We pray, Jehovah, for you to touch her right now. You are God that healeth. And you said in Isaiah chapter 55, verse, chapter 53, verse 5, that by your strength, your son, your daughter has been healed. Thank you for your healing upon her. Lord God Almighty, we want to also use this one as point of contact to all those who have been infected, impacted through these elements called coronavirus. Father, we are standing in God on behalf of this one this moment, and we are begging of you, Father Lord, have mercy. Have mercy upon every one of us around the globe. Jehovah, take control. The doctors are trying their best. The nurses are trying their best. All the medical personnel are trying their best. But they don't have the authentic solution to this situation. You are the only one that have the solution. And that, that is why we have come. Father, please, have mercy. You are God of mercy. Jehovah, have mercy. Have mercy upon every of your child around the globe. Have mercy upon those who are in the front line, the nurses, the medical doctors, and other medical personnel. Have mercy. May you, the Lord, at this point in time, encamp around this one. May you, the Lord, at this point in time, release your holy angels to encamp around them. May you, the Lord, at this point in time, build your edge around them. Build your edge around every one of us. Build your edge around every of our every of our children. Build your age around every of us. Thank you, faithful God. Lord God Almighty, we are also lifting up at this point in time. Your church, the seven days Adventist church around the globe. Lord, we are asking you, starting from all our leaders, may you, the Lord, touch them this moment. Father, guide them, O oh Lord. This is a critical time. It is no more business as usual. What we are seeing now is to help us to wake up from our slumber. 
to help, to help us to wake up from our spirit of lukewarmness. Father, please, revive us all. Revive us all, O oh Lord. Help each and every one of us to begin to reflect. My Lord and my Savior, touch the pastors, the elders, the deacon and the deaconesses, the children, the youth ministry, their leaders, everyone of the congregation, please have mercy and let the name be praised. Thank you, faithful God. Lord, thank you also for this mission. The leaders are trying their best, doing everything possible to ensure that their fellow citizens are not being impacted by these elements. Economically, they are trying, but I give them more wisdom. Many of them do not know you. Many of them continue to lean on their own selfish desire. Father, please give them heart of flesh, heart of love, heart of grace and mercy, heart of peace, heart of kindness, heart of compassion in the name of Jesus. Amen. Most righteous God, Nigeria is in your hand. Father, I'm not making jest of anyone. But I'm appreciating you for the grace you have granted unto me. I was saying yesterday to be alive, to see our political elite visiting their local hospitals. Oh Lord, if anyone is not grateful, I am grateful. Many of them visit abroad as if they are visiting Shomolu to Lagos, Shomolu to Barega. But now, no more room to visit abroad. And they have no other choice than to settle down. But mm. uh, this is indeed to your glory. I don't care what anyone may be saying out there. But this is for us all to be on board. Yes. Uh, you are God. And nobody can be like you. Mm. Yes, sometimes we feel as if we have arrived. We feel as if we are untouchable. We begin to enjoy our self-glory. But at the end of the day, you are still the one in control. Nobody created this planet else. Nobody made that decision with you. You chose to make that decision on your own. And I pray this moment, Lord, Father, humble us all. Humble each and every one of us. So that we'll be more all of you. Not more all of ourselves. Of our money of our you know, investment portfolio, of our cars, of our children, of our smartness, of, of, of whatever we think we are, connection. Father, help us. We need your help than ever before. Show us mercy. Oh, thank you. The, your son, whom you, the Lord, will use to minister to us today, may he not speak of self. Oh, Father, Lord, may you, the Lord, speak through him to us all. Lord, all that will hear you, all that will hear from him. Father, may we not be just the hearers alone, but also the doers of your word. Thank you, faithful God. We appreciate you again. Thank you, wonderful Redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Good morning, boys and girls. Good morning. Oh, wonderful. I can hear some of your voices. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and my story takes place far, far away, long, long time ago in a village. And boys and girls, there were two men in the village, and these men couldn't be any different. One, oh, he was the talk of the town. Everybody loved him. His name was Mahmoud, and they couldn't stop saying and singing his praises. Oh, Mahmoud, he's such a brave warrior. Oh, he's so strong. He's so courageous. Nothing scares Mahmoud. Oh, when I grow up, I want to be just like Mahmoud, they said. And boys and girls, there was also another man, and his name was Potoma. And unfortunately, the villagers didn't have very nice things to say about Potoma. Matter of fact, we've even heard them whisper that, you know what, I don't think Potoma is very brave at all. And, you know, I would even call him a coward. In fact, unlike Mamut, who's killed such huge animals, who's so strong and brave and who hunts so well, I don't think I've even seen Potoma catch a monkey, a itty bitty monkey he's never caught. And boys and girls, put a mammoth would stand in the middle of the village and he would regale all of the villagers with his stories. He would tell them of all the brave things he's done and all the fierce animals that he's killed and how strong and how brave and how courageous he was. And all boys and girls of villagers loved him. Oh, when they would see him coming, they would hail him, Mahmoud, Mahmoud, Mahmoud. Mahmoud was a village local champion, boys and girls. And Potoma would just go about his business. He would mind his business because he wasn't really concerned with what the villagers had to say about him. He would do his work. He would quietly live his life. And as Mamut grew in popularity, Potoma actually got more and more unpopular because he never told a story and he never bragged about all the wonderful things he did. He just kind of lived his life and minded his business. One day, boys and girls, both Mamut and Potomo found themselves deep inside the jungle. And all of a sudden, as Potomo looked over, he saw Mamut and Mamut said, oh, Potomo, come over. Let me tell you a story. Come and see this huge snake that I've just killed. Let me tell you how I killed this snake. Oh, I was so brave. I grabbed the snake by its tail and I flung it around and I cut it by its head and I killed it. Mamut Potoma just nodded. He said, yes, very well, Mamut. Ah, Mamut was feeling so good with himself. Oh, he was so proud because he was so courageous. And just then, boys and girls, a terrible storm started. It started to rain and it started to thunder and the lightning started to flash. Boys and girls, both Mamut and Potoma had never seen a storm like this. So they together ran for cover. They found a little, um, a little thicket patch and they dug underneath it and they hid under the foliage until the storm passed. And boys and girls, just as the storm passed and the sky was finally clearing and they were getting ready to dig themselves out and go their separate ways, they heard a roar. <gasps> what in the world could that be? And then again, they heard it roar and it got closer and closer and closer. And before you knew it, they recognized that it was a tiger outside the, the thicket patch where they were hiding. Ah, well, Mamut, he was no coward. He knew what he needed to do. He needed to get out there and he needed to fight that lion, that tiger, excuse me. But 
Potoma said to Manute, oh no Manute, if we sit here quietly, that will give the tiger time to pass. And then we can leave the thicket and go our separate ways safely. Ah, but Mamute was no coward, no siree. This was his chance. He was gonna show Potoma how a true, hero fought, how a true person of courage behaved. So boys and girls, even though Potoma tried to get Manute to stay quiet and to sit still, oh no, he jumped out of the thicket. He grabbed his spear and boys and girls, he started to fight the tiger. And wow, he got in a good jab, a few good jabs of the tiger. Before long, the tiger had overtaken him. Oh, and with one swoop of his paw, his claws, oh, he injured Mamute. And another swoop, he struck again. And before you knew it, Mamut was on the ground and the tiger was getting ready to pounce for the last time. And at that pounce, we knew that it would be all over for Mamut. And before the tiger pounced, out of nowhere came Potoma. Boys and girls, he grabbed Mamut's spear and he stabbed the tiger. And just before the tiger struck Mamut, it was, it was killed by Potoma and it fell at his feet. <gasps> the entire time Mamut was seeing the tiger about to attack him on his back. And boys and girls, he was so scared he didn't know what to do. And when he saw Potoma kill the lion, the tiger, excuse me, and he saw the tiger fall. Oh, he was so relieved and he was so grateful. And as he asked Mamut and um, Potoma to help him up, Potoma helped him up and carried him back to the village where he nursed him back to health. Before long, the villagers noticed that Mamut didn't stand in the village square and tell them all these glorious stories that he had before. And they began to wonder, well, maybe he's not so brave after all. And Potoma, well, nothing changed for him. Potoma went about his business the same as always. And, but the villagers noticed one particular thing. They noticed that no longer did Mamut carry his ginormous spear, the spear that he used to kill all those ferocious animals and the spear that made him so famous far and near, far and wide across the villages. No, he no longer carried the spear. In fact, the villagers started noticing that it was now Potoma who carried the spear. But Potoma didn't tell any stories when he carried the spear. He carried the spear quietly and he went about his business. And boys and girls, that day, Mamut learned a very important lesson. He learned that courage is not always running into a situation, right? It's not always looking for trouble. And it's not always about who's not scared and who is scared. But he learned from Potoma that day that courage actually means doing the right thing at the right time, whether or not we're scared. Boys and girls, Potoma was scared and he didn't want to fight that tiger. But he knew that if he didn't fight the tiger, something terrible would happen to Mamut. So he stood up and he fought the tiger. And by God's grace, he beat the tiger and he killed the tiger and he saved Mamut. I know some of us, well, actually all of us are at home and we've heard our parents talk and we've heard the different stories and maybe we've even watched the news reports. And maybe some of our parents are a little anxious and maybe we ourselves have become scared and maybe a little anxious about all that's going on, about the virus and people getting sick and people losing their jobs and maybe you're worried. But boys and girls, I just want to remind you that we don't always have to be worried. We know that God is always in control. Just 
just as he was with Potomba when he killed the tiger, God has promised to be with us. It doesn't mean that we won't go through hard things. It doesn't mean that we won't be scared or frightened, but we know that we don't have to stay scared and we don't have to stay frightened because God is with us. So I want to leave you with a Bible text, and it's found in Joshua 1.9. And it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So boys and girls, I want you to remember this morning that no matter what, even though most of us are going nowhere but our rooms to the living room to the kitchen, we're not going very many places. But I want you to know that even when this is over and we finally go out, and even while we're in our house, that God is with us. And he promises that we don't have to be scared, we don't have to be afraid, we just have to trust him and he's promised to take care of us. Can we do that today, boys and girls? If you can do that yes. today, raise your hand and wave to me. Wonderful, boys and girls. Now, would you close your eyes and bow your head as we pray? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for promising to be with us. Thank you for always fighting our battles and helping us never to have to stay afraid. Be with us now. Give us courage even when we're scared. Give us courage even when things may look scary around us because we know our courage comes from you and you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for always watching over us, protecting us and keeping us safe. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. 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 Happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, my, my father, Dr. Oye, said that uh, the church is closed. I will, I will crave uh, his indulgence to disagree with him. The church is not closed. The building might be closed, but church is never closed. When God's people come together to commune with one another, whether they're miles apart or few feet apart. The Bible tells us that when two or three are gathered, it's not five or six or seven or 10 or 20, just two, just two. When two or three people are gathered, God promises that he's in their midst. Hallelujah. That's his commitment to us. So it is not about numbers. It is really not about location. I miss all of you, no doubt about it. I wish we were back at church uh, next Sabbath. And I, I can't wait till that first Sabbath where we're back at church because for me, I'm going to uh, uh, just say right now in front of the whole church, I do believe that should be a celebration Sabbath. It should be a high Sabbath. It should be a praise Sabbath. That's all we should do that day. That is all we should do that day. And I'm looking forward to that day, that time, that moment when we'll be back worshiping together. I know that the Lord's going to do this in due season because that is his promise to us. Uh, I'll ask you to indulge me. I'm dealing with allergies. Uh, this, uh, this time of the year is always a little challenging. And now that you can't go anywhere, you have to do all of your physical exercise, either outside or whatever, uh, it's been a little challenging. Um, it's also been very draining the past couple of weeks between home, between work. Uh, my life turned around here recently. This church knows that I'm always on a plane. And in the, in the month of March, that just stopped immediately. I found myself at home. And then uh, the first week, I found myself at home with three kids having to, to get work done. 
And uh, these are difficult times. This week has been challenging, even as, as in my organization, we've talked about how we make it through this time. Um, as you, if you've paid attention, people are losing their jobs by the minute. They're, that is just the reality. And every organization is having conversations like that. I've been in meetings uh, to, to that effect about how do we survive this. And when you're talking about these things and they're people's lives that you're talking about, it is a heavy burden. It is a very heavy burden. So this has been a, a challenging period. I'm asking that you all continue to pray for us, whether you're the ones you're involved or, or, or impacted or making decisions that the Lord would uh, give us strength to, to get through this. I'm extremely happy again that we're able to use this mechanism to, to come online. I want to thank everyone who has been supportive, the elders, the church pastor, the communication team for making this a reality. We have our two Sabbath schools with our children now having their own Sabbath school. We praise the Lord as well. We just thank God for his goodness and his faithfulness during this period. Um, it would be irresponsible of me not to recognize the goodness of God. God has been faithful, continues to be faithful. I sent, I sent a, a YouTube song to, to, my, to my peeps earlier today. Um, and the, the words of the song basically say that God's getting better each and every day. I don't know if that's your experience, but that's been my experience, especially at this time. God's getting better. I can share that song with, with, uh, with others after we're done. But God has been good. I have many things to be thankful for. If I wanted to have a, a message solely on thanks, I'd probably have a full plate uh, I'll just start by by mentioning a few. Um, I, I spoke to my 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 father in the last week or so. By the grace of God, he has started driving again. You know, this is something that none of us expected. That uh, in basically less than three months, he'll be off and and driving and moving around. Now, I do believe he's pushing it a little bit. That's my uh, that's my personal belief. But even having the ability to drive. I say, may God's name be praised in Jesus' name. I really want to thank God for this week of prayer. Um, we did not know that it would happen this way or be done this way, but the Lord has led. And I want to thank all of our speakers each and every night for everything uh, that they have brought. Every message has been impactful. I want to thank God for that. And I especially want to thank God for my family that has been extremely supportive this time, um, just being around and keeping us all safe. I'm very thankful to God. I'm also thankful to God for protection. You know, nobody knows really when the coronavirus arrived in the United States. Um, nobody knows how many people have the virus. Nobody knows how many people have had the virus and are healthy. Uh, the, the most important numbers we actually don't know. The only numbers we do know are the numbers of those who are getting infected and sick. But the other number, the more important numbers, we actually don't know. Uh, I've traveled a lot in the last two years. I've been on a plane uh, out of, you know, a hundred and something weeks, probably 90 weeks. So I've traveled a lot. And here more recently, uh, it hasn't been lost on me that I could have easily been on a flight with somebody who has the disease or, or whatever the case may be just in this new year. 
so I'm thankful to God for his protection, for his, um, his, his guidance and deliverance. I just remain eternally grateful to him. I'm also just want to thank God. I, I saw that my uncle called, joined us from Indiana today. So we did have a visitor. I don't know why he did not make himself known at the time, but I'm very happy that he has joined us today. And let's continue to encourage our friends and family, wherever they may be, to join us in our, in our worship as many people are looking for places to worship at this time. I want a quick reminder that this afternoon we'll have an AY program to wrap up our conversation on forgiveness and reconciliation, the embrace at 3 p.m. So I, I would ask that everyone come this afternoon with their questions, comments, and additional things you want us to to discuss, and I'm pretty sure it will be a great time. Before we get into the message of today, I, I just really want to do a quick recap of the week so far, because I know people had work schedules or different challenges, and maybe you weren't able to join in every night. Every night, I was personally blessed. I, I learned something different, and so I think it is it is due that if you are not able to join us every night, you quickly hear what we learned. So as a recap, the theme for the week was the embrace. And we talked about forgiveness and reconciliation. And our first night, Brother Hope spoke to us and introduced the three parts of forgiveness and reconciliation, the embrace. And the first part is what we call your arms open. The second part was the hug, and the third part it was walking away. And he reminded us that from the beginning, the very beginning, God has always wanted to reconcile with his people. On night number two, our sister Wura really took the time to break down what arms wide open meant or means, the very first part of forgiveness and reconciliation. And she reminded us that God opened his arms to us um, first. God opened his arms to us to start off with. And so uh, the, the lesson there is that forgiveness is a proactive thing. Forgiveness and reconciliation is proactive. So many times we are waiting for somebody to come and apologize so that we can forgive. But the reality is that God forgave even before we sinned, right? The forgiveness was out there. So what happens is when we confess of our sins, we're just tapping into forgiveness already existing. And so arms wide open means forgiveness is a proactive thing. It is not a reactive thing. We don't wait for people to apologize. We have to step out forward and say, let me forgive. Let me go forgive myself. And this is the model of Jesus. He opens, us, he's opens his arms to forgive us even today. On night three, Brother Ben told us that to reconcile with God, we must take part in the embrace. Jesus, God, has opened his arms towards us through Jesus Christ, but it is on us to reciprocate and reach out to God for reconciliation to occur. So God initiates reconciliation. God forgives us, but we have to accept it. However, it's not enough for us to accept and reconcile with God. As Sister Odo told us, we must also reconcile with our fellow human beings. 
we must engage and embrace with our human, uh, our brothers and sisters every day. As we see in 1 John 4 verse 20, it is impossible to say you love God and at the same time hate your brother. And the hate we're talking about here is not maybe the hate of I dislike, I want to hurt them. It is, the, it, it is hate of I will not extend what I have to them. And it is the opposite of agape love. If agape love is sacrificial love, then hate is, means that I will not sacrifice myself for this individual. So it, we, we must, God has opened his arms. We must be reconciled to him, but not just to him. We must reconcile ourselves to those around us. And yet that's still not enough. We need to reconcile to God. We need to reconcile with the human beings that we interact with. And then we need to take on the responsibility of bringing reconciliation to the world. And this is what Brother Jimmy told us on night five, that we needed to be ambassadors of reconciliation. So reconcile to God, reconcile to your brothers and sisters, and then help people, other people, reconcile to God. Point them to God. This is something that is part of our ministry, something we're supposed to do as we see in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. And so the night had, the week had gone on and maybe some of us were thinking, okay, this forgiveness thing uh, comes with no, with no repercussions. We, let's just ask for forgiveness. Um, Sister Kemi quickly corrected us on night six and she told us that there are consequences to the things we do, right? Now, our consequences don't mean we're not forgiven, but we must understand that there are often consequences. If you touch a hot stove, right, you will get burned. And so consequences are part of what we have to deal with, but we should not think that because we're experiencing consequences of our sin that we are not forgiven. She also reminded us that, you know, punishment doesn't really undo the wrong that was done. The wrong that was done has been done. No punishment can really undo it. And that is important for us to remember because at times we want to punish others or be punitive. All that does is make us feel better. It really doesn't undo what they did in the first place. Our goal needs to be restoring people to right standing. And the last, last night, we talked about the hardest person to forgive. The hardest person to forgive. The hardest person to forgive is often ourselves, right? But we know there is nothing we can do that earns us forgiveness from God. There's nothing you can do that earns you or myself forgiveness from God. God's instruction is simple. If we confess our sins, he will forgive us. 1 John 1 verse 9. Very simple. No need to complicate it. And so we must also forgive ourselves if we want to be part of this ministry of reconciliation. So to recap, forgiveness and reconciliation, the embrace, we need to open our arms to forgive. We need to be proactive with forgiving. We need to reconcile with God. We need to reconcile with our brothers and sisters. We need to be part of the ministry of reconciliation. We need to forgive ourselves. And we also have to recognize that our actions have consequences to them, but those consequences do not mean that we have not been forgiven. 
God is faithful and true. And so again, I want to thank all of our speakers for the wonderful messages they have given us through this, this past week. May the Lord continue to bless you all and replenish you, fill you with his spirit. Today, we're going to wrap up very quickly with the topic, new life, with the topic, new life. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity to worship on this Sabbath day. We thank you that we have been studying forgiveness and reconciliation all week, the embrace. Dear Father, we ask you even at this time, as we wrap up our studies for the week, that you help us, that you truly help us, that of those who of us who who are dealing with this as a challenge in our lives, that we find a way through even on this day, that our hearts of stone will become hearts of flesh, that we will hear your voice today and we will not harden our hearts. We will do as you command us. Thank you, dear Lord, because there is nothing too hard for you, nothing insurmountable. Thank you for hearing our prayer, for we have asked in Jesus' name. Amen. Our message really centers on 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21, and I will read it and then we can stop sharing. So then if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of, a new, of the new creation. The old things have gone away and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. Hallelujah. He has trusted us with this message, this particular message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God today. God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake, so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. Thank you very much, communications team. I will ask you all to keep your, your Bible open to that place as we go through it very quickly. I'm always intrigued to understand why people write the things that they do. And so when I, when, I, when I reflected on this verse, I wanted to know why did Paul write to the Corinthians chapter 5 and everything else he wrote. And the historical context is very important because sometimes when we understand the challenge that was being faced at a certain time, we're able to take the spiritual lesson and apply it even in our current time. And the big thing that Paul was dealing with at that time was the, the, the notion or the idea that what mattered most were things like what spiritual gifts God had given you, your ability to speak well, and things like that. This is what preachers at that time were making the most important thing, human ability, human talent, what people could do, right? This is what they had kind of said was important. And these were not false. Uh, these were not people who were not preaching about Jesus Christ. They were preaching about Jesus Christ, but they had elevated ability over what God had done for us, what God is continuing to do for us. And so the book of 2 Corinthians is Paul's 
rebuttal against this idea that what makes you an effective minister, what makes you, and, and, when I'm, and when we say minister, we're not talking about pastors, we're talking about you and me, because God has called us into ministry. So by that, by default, everyone is a minister. So what makes us an effective minister is not that I went to Andrews and I have five degrees. It's not that I, I speak fluently. It's not that I know Greek or Hebrew. It's not that I, I, I have the elevated social status or I'm a very, very uh, well-spoken person. Those are not the things. Or I'm a third generation Seventh-day Adventist or I've been an elder for 30 years. Those are not the things that make anybody a good minister. What makes anyone a good minister is what God is doing through that person's life. That was the crux of Paul's argument. Jesus' death on our behalf changes the object and the purpose of our lives, period. If there's nothing else anybody gets from this message, especially our young people on, on the phone right now, or on the line, I want you to understand that Jesus' death on our behalf changes the object and purpose of our lives. The purpose of our lives is no longer determined by the world's standards, okay? The purpose of our lives is no longer determined by the world's stat our standards. How many followers you have on Instagram, or how many followers you have on this, that, or, or how many conferences you speak at, or how big your bank account is. All that matters is God's approval. All that matters in the end is God's approval. And this was the point that Paul was trying to pass across to those uh, in current, which is why he said, if any man be in Christ, that individual is a new creature. The old things are past. All the standards that might have mattered to you in the past are no, now gone. What matters to you is becoming more like Jesus. What matters to me is becoming more like Jesus. What matters to all of us is becoming more like Jesus. It's ultimately God's approval. And why is this important? It's important because everything that we have learned this week about forgiveness is countercultural. Like society will not tell you what we've discussed this week. Society will not tell you to initiate forgiveness. Society is waiting for somebody to apologize first before you offer them forgiveness. Society is telling you whoever is wrong should tell you that they're sorry before you offer them forgiveness. Society is telling you not to reconcile, but to actually divide. Society is telling you to do what you want to do for your fame, for your personal glory, for your purpose. But Paul is saying, for the believer, this is not the case. For the believer, what God wants from you is completely different from what society is asking of you. Often we want people to be punished for the wrongdoings they have. I've shared this with story at NACA before, but I'll share it again. When my grandmother, my grandmother was kidnapped, my late grandmother was kidnapped in, uh, in February, January, February of 2009, I think February of 2009. And after a few weeks, she was released. And I traveled home that Christmas, uh, like I generally do. And it was New Year's Day and we were thanking God and uh, we were asking uh, God to forgive us of our sins. And my, my old grandma said, 
do we actually think God will forgive the kidnappers who kidnapped her? Right? And, uh, you know, we said, Mama, God will forgive her. She said, no, 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 no. That can't be possible, that they had gone too far with what they had done, right? And, and that was her in her carnal flesh speaking. But we all have the same thing. We all feel the same way. There are some of us, even with this coronavirus, that have asked God to maybe make sure certain people get sick so they know what's going on, right? That is human nature. The flesh is punitive. But God is telling us through Paul that we cannot be punitive, that God is telling us through Paul that we cannot be punitive. One of the more interesting things that has come up this week is this, this notion of what if I want to reconcile with somebody, but that person doesn't want to reconcile with me? And the question I keep asking myself is, why are we asking that question in the house of God? Like, why would you want to reconcile with a believer? Remember, Paul was writing to people who were claiming that they were believers, that they were in Christ. Why would anybody in Christ not want to reconcile with his brother or his sister? People, help me out here. What am I missing? How can you claim that I am in Christ, I am a new creature, but I don't want to reconcile with somebody? It doesn't compute to me. Yes, when we're dealing with people who are in the world, maybe, maybe they're operating from a very different set of principles. But for anybody who says, as the text says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person, how can anyone look themselves in the mirror and say, I now belong to Christ, yet I don't want to reconcile, yet I don't want to forgive somebody? However, that is the struggle we're all going through. That is the battle we're all going through because our flesh desires to conform to the things of this world. This is why Paul also said, be not conformed to the things of this world, to the thinking of this world, to the ideologies of, ideologies of this world, to the patterns of this world. Rather, be transformed in your mind. Understanding that this transformation might actually make you look silly or stupid, or like we would say in Nigeria, a mugu, right? Because you're operating with things that are very different from what the world is asking of you. But for reconciliation to occur, as we've talked about, we've said reconciliation and forgiveness starts with us opening our arms to receive somebody in an embrace. And then we, when we embrace them, that's the second part. But the third part of reconciliation is actually letting go of the embrace. I love hugging my kids. My youngest son likes to hug people all the time but you cannot stay in that hug forever. At some point, you need to disengage and move on. That is what reconciliation is. That's part of reconciliation. You have to do the embrace and then disengage and walk in newness of life, walking on a changed person, forgetting what has happened and moving into the future with new beginnings. We've looked at a bunch of stories all of this week. Joseph and his brothers, the woman at the well. We've looked at Peter and Jesus. We can think about Paul and Barnabas. In all these stories, what we can remember is that at the end, 
each person walked away, but they didn't walk away the same. They walked away changed. We like to hug each other at NACA, uh, and I pray to God that we'll be doing that very soon, right? When we do our welcome, we get back. Uh, well, let me put this way, this way. Some of us like to hug. Some people like to shake hands and do fist bumps and all those kinds of things. And maybe because we're going to be at, at home for a long time, we'll be doing the new... Uh, I don't know if it's the elbow-to-elbow -elbow greeting or whatever the case may be. But I believe at some point we'll go back to hugging one another. But you still have to separate from the hug. But the biggest thing is we have to separate in newness of life. The test of reconciliation is very simple. Have I moved on, changed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Or am I still harboring the same feelings I had before the embrace? Has reconciliation occurred or am I still in my heart of hearts feeling some kind of way even when I've walked away? This, this, uh, this week we, we saw the visual of two people hugging with one person uh, holding a knife and putting it in the back of somebody else. For many of us, our forgiveness and reconciliation looks like that. It is, you know, not a full committal. And so we walk away, but we're fully not reconciled. And yet we will say, on the other hand, that we are in Christ. There is no way we can be ambassadors of reconciliation in our society, in our communities, our, at our workplace, if we are not reconciled to God and if we are not reconciled to our fellow human being. That is a mockery. That is hypocrisy. So some of us wonder why society is the way it is. Society is the way it is because Christians themselves are not reconciled. We're not one. Christians spend a lot of their time tearing each other down. How can you tear each other down, gossip, backbite, say things about others, and then expect to improve the society that we belong to? Expect to be an attractive people that will bring others into what we believe. There is nothing to, it has been said that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Imitation means I want to go to where, you're worship, where you worship so I can be like you. Well, is there anything about me that people want to imitate? Or basically when people look at me, do they see themselves in the mirror? And so there's really nothing different from that perspective right? So these are the challenges we face today. We cannot effectively reconcile and bring others to Christ if we don't first reconcile ourselves to God, reconcile with each other. Those are the two things we need to be able to do if we're going to go out there and be participants in the ministry of reconciliation. I know as we're, as, we're, as we're talking, as I'm talking, if, if you're letting the Holy Spirit talk to you even in this moment, if you're like me, you're, you're found wanting. There, there, there's something that you might need to go address today or, or, or very soon, if you're like me. This is a week of prayer. And in, in a week of prayer, we, we go into the week of prayer asking God to to help us grow spiritually, asking God to help us come out. Whether you're a young person, a medium age person, an old person, whatever demographic you belong to, 
It is to come out of the week of prayer, change and transform. This has been a challenging week of prayer because it's been about forgiveness and recon reconciliation, which are hard. It requires humility. It requires us truly believing God's word and truly imitating God in the fact that he first extended reconciliation to us. And then as a response to him reconciling with us, we take the initiative to reconcile with those around us and then to promote reconciliation in our society. So we're going to pray because this is a week of prayer and we're all going to pray as individuals first. And so our first prayer is going to be that we reconcile or be reconciled with God. As even Paul says in um, verse 20, God is begging you to listen to our message. We speak for Christ and sincerely ask you to make peace with God. What peace do you need to make with God today? I don't know. You're the only one who knows what peace you, want, you, you need to make with God this day. But we're going to take a few minutes now to pray, to pray and ask God. Whatever it is that you want to reconcile with God, I ask you to take a position that is convenient to you wherever you might be and let us bow down our heads as individuals and pray. And then at the end of that prayer, when I say amen, Brother Akin will give us a prayer to close that out. Thank you. Let us bow down our heads as we pray. Praying for reconciliation with us, with, between us and God, whatever it is, making our peace with God today. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Father in heaven, <clears throat> excuse me, we thank you again for this opportunity. We thank you for the message. We thank you for reminding us that you want to reconcile us to yourself. Father, we ask that you please forgive our sins. We ask that if there are any sins that, we, that have taken root within, within our souls, that you uproot them and that you throw them fire away from us. Father, we recommit our lives to you at this moment. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will come and dwell with us in you. You want us to be ambassadors for you, Father, and we recognize that we cannot do this in our strength. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, that even as you forgive our sins, that you give us a double portion of your spirit, that like Elisha, that you will anoint us afresh and make us true ambassadors for you. We ask, Lord, that you give us a spirit that forgives, a spirit that's that loves regardless, a spirit that doesn't love because of what people have done to us, but because of what you have done for us. Father, we pray for our friends, our families, wherever they may be, that this same message of reconciliation and hope will reach out to them, that you also bless them, you also forgive their sins, and that you restore all of us to you. Father, we pray, Lord, that our, our serving you will not be out of fear, but out of genuine love for you and genuine appreciation of what you've done and what you continue to do in our lives. We bless you for answering our prayers, Lord. Be exalted in all heaven and on earth. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen. Our second prayer is going to be for reconciliation between us and our brothers and sisters. I know there are people within under the sound of my voice this afternoon 
that uh, have not made peace with somebody they know they need to make peace with. Or maybe you, you, you made some kind of peace, but it was not full peace, and it is not where things need to be. Um, we, we come from a culture sometimes where it's expected that, the, uh, that uh, in these situations where there is no peace, that the young one um, extend the, uh, the peace offering, if you will, before the older one engage. Uh, unfortunately, that's not biblical. In fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew 5, 23, verse 24, that uh, when, you go to the, when you go to give your gift at the altar, when you come to church, Lord have mercy, when you come to church and it occurs to you that you are not at peace with somebody, it doesn't matter whether they instigated it or you instigated it, the Bible, Jesus said, this isn't somebody, Jesus said, drop what you have leave church in our day and age it would probably be pick up your phone and call that person to make peace before you offer you give your offering and we all know we have gone against this command we have shown up to church with malice in our hearts with anger in our hearts and we have given our worship i don't know whether god accepted the worship because i'm not god but what I do know is that Jesus gave us explicit instructions to make peace before we offer him worship. Um, even because in making peace, we are offering him worship. So our second prayer today is that God will help us with our unforgiving spirit. If there's somebody that we need to reconcile with, make peace with, that God will give us the strength, the wisdom, the opportunity, the courage to go make peace with that person this week. We will take a, a, two minutes to pray for that, and then Sister Nana will wrap us up with that prayer. So let us bow down our heads and pray. Remember, God says, leave your gift at the altar and go and make peace. This isn't older person, younger person. It is any one of us should initiate this. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for the message that has come to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons that we have learned. Lord, we are praying that we will not just learn, but that we will put them in practice. Father, what we heard today is, even if we harbor, iniquity in our hearts you will not hear us but as we've learned to reconcile give us the grace to many times we cannot by our own selves we ask that your holy spirit will continue to prompt us father that your holy spirit will continue to speak to our hearts that even if we bring a gift to you and we remember that your spirit will prompt us to go and reconcile before we give you what we have brought to you. Jesus, it is your spirit that we are asking, a double portion of it, every day of our lives, every minute, wherever we are, whatever we are doing, that the spirit will have the upper hand in our lives to guide us to do the right things. 
But many times we know in our hearts what the right thing is, but it's our human nature that pushes us down not to come forward to do what is right before you. So we are asking that your spirit will lead, will take the lead in our lives, in everything, in our words, in our thoughts, in our action, Lord, that he will take control of our whole being, that all that will come out of us will be to the glory and praise of your name, that people who see us may know truly that we are your children. It will not just be what we confess by our mouth, but through our actions, Lord. As a church, we ask that you give us your spirit. As a church, we ask that you cleanse us from all that we harbor in our hearts, even against each other. Amen. Sometimes we laugh at each other, but we, deep within our hearts, it's some other thing going on. Mm -hmm. Some animosity, Lord. We cannot deny it. Lord, we are praying for forgiveness, mm -hmm. even as you give us the grace to forgive those that we think negatively of. Thank you, Jesus, because we believe that you will do this for us. We earnestly ask for that grace. And you have even provided the grace even before this time that we are asking. Yes. Thank you for making that grace available to us. Now, as we ask, help us to use it, what you have already given us. We pray this and we thank you because moving forward, we would act just as you want us to. Talk just as you want us to behave just as you want us to as a church as individuals as families as a community we pray in jesus name amen amen our last prayer point would be that we move from being passive onlookers in the ministry of reconciliation to active participants that we move from passive onlookers to active participants. And what do we mean here? As we have learned, we have the commission. We have the commission. God has given us the work of sharing his message about peace. He has made us ambassadors of reconciliation, that God will give us the courage and the boldness because we know that we are, we are daily reconciling with him and each other that we can also point others to him, confidence. We will not be hypocrites and tell people you need to know the Lord. And then we as individuals uh, are, 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 are doing something else. So our prayer today is that this third point is that God will give us his Holy Spirit so that we move from passive onlookers to active participants in the ministry of reconciliation. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this week of prayer that has been ours. We thank you for the lessons we've learned. We thank you for the reminders of your grace and your love towards us, your love that we cannot even comprehend. Uh, trying to explain it, we will fall short. And yet you have called us to abide in your love and to reflect your love. Lord, we have learned this week about the embrace, opening our arms wide, embracing you, embracing our fellow human beings, and going out there and reconciling the world to you. We pray, dear Father in heaven, that you give us your Holy Spirit so that we're able to do this. 
We recognize that we're in difficult and strange times. And we don't know how long we have, but we pray, dear Lord, Father in heaven, that you will come from on high and enable us and empower us to do that which you have asked us to do. Help us to have a desire to be active participants, to share the good news of the gospel with others, to point people to you, and that when others look at us, they can also see your love reflecting in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this week of prayer. Thank you for your church that has gathered online. I pray in the name of Jesus again that our hard hearts you turn into soft hearts of flesh so that we will receive your word today. What might seem impossible to us, may you make it possible. And may we leave today again changed, walking in newness of life because we are new creations, because we are new. May this be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen.